In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The greatest minds of the Pharisees had designed a question that was guaranteed to trap Jesus. There should have been no way out. Should we pay taxes to the Roman government or not? If Jesus said yes, the crowd would lynch him. Nobody likes to pay taxes. Yes, the world changes, but some things remain the same. But on the other hand, if Jesus said no, the Romans would execute him. The Pharisees brought along some Herodians, government officials of the puppet king Herod, as witnesses. Beginning with flattery, in order to ensure that Jesus would take the bait, they carefully set their trap. Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Everything they've said so far is the gospel truth, but of course, they don't believe a word of it. That's why Jesus goes on to call them hypocrites. But they continue with their question, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? By lawful, the Pharisees are referring to the law of God. Of course, the Roman law required the payment of taxes, but what about God's law? Jesus' answer is masterful. Show me a coin for the tax. Whose image and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then with their own answer, Jesus turns the trap back on them. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Jesus is doing more here than simply avoiding a trap. He is teaching us how Christians are to live in this world. When you were born, your birth granted you the rights and duties of a citizen of an earthly kingdom. And then you were born again through water and the Holy Spirit and granted the rights and duties of a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. For the rest of your life on earth, you hold dual citizenship. You stand with one foot in each kingdom, obligated to serve both God and your earthly ruler. Theologians call this idea the doctrine of two kingdoms. This answer is not what the Pharisees wanted to hear. They wanted Jesus to pit one kingdom against the other. Should we serve God or should we pay taxes? Pick one. I'm sure we'd all love to be conscientious objectors to paying taxes, but that's not how the Christian life works. Even though your primary allegiance is to God, you still have a duty to the earthly government. We must render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And what things are these? First of all, his power or authority. Scripture teaches us that the authority of government, often called the sword, is given by God. Your ruler, as St. Paul writes, is God's servant for your good. In January, our nation will swear in our next president, whoever that may be. And whether you voted for him or not, he will be your ruler, appointed by God. 
Had social media existed in New Testament times, I'm sure there would have been a lot of angry Jews tweeting under the hashtag, not my Caesar. If so, they would have been wrong. Whether you like a ruler or not, whether he is a good person or not, his power is ordained of God. This doesn't mean that God endorses a ruler's platform or supports his policies. In fact, John Calvin said, when God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. This may certainly be the case in our country that has slaughtered 61 million of its most vulnerable citizens and made an unholy mockery of God's institution of marriage. History shows that God does indeed punish nations that turn away from him. But even then, even when a wicked tyrant is in power, we must still render him due obedience. St. Peter writes, Obey all human authorities, especially the emperor. Consider that when Peter wrote this, the emperor at the time was Nero. Even his authority was ordained by God. Render to Caesar the things that are his. Second, we must render our prayers on behalf of our leaders. St. Paul urges that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. We may be praying for our leaders that they repent. We may be working to prevent them from implementing ungodly laws and unjust policies, yet we are bound to pray for them and honor the office they hold as appointed by God. There is more that belongs to Caesar, taxes, military or jury service, etc. But I'd like to speak now on what belongs to God. Caesar may rightly claim your possessions. He may even unjustly take your life, goods, fame, child, or wife, as we sing. But your highest allegiance belongs to God. Even though you live in two kingdoms and have duties to both, they are not parallels or equals. Our obligations to God are the whole of life, those to the state, one part of that whole. If these kingdoms come into conflict, that is, when wicked rulers enforce unjust laws that violate the laws of God, then we must obey God rather than man. You are man's subject only for a brief time. You are God's subject for eternity. So what things belong to God? Well, on one hand, everything. But we'll answer this question by applying Luther's explanation of the first commandment. You shall fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Your fear belongs to God. This might seem an odd thing to give God, but it's commanded in Scripture. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him only. 
Rulers are ordained of God to be a terror to evildoers. But Christians who fear God and live according to the Ten Commandments should have nothing to fear from the government. In a well-ordered society, you're only afraid of a police officer when you've been speeding or breaking the law in some other fashion. But even in the case of a wicked ruler who seeks to take your life, Jesus says, Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Honor the king, St. Peter writes, but fear God. Everyone fears someone or something, whether it be sickness, loss, hardship, tyrants, or even death. But fear God, and you will not need to fear anything else. Render to God your love. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But what does this mean? If anyone loves me, Jesus says, Jesus says, he will keep, that is to guard and protect my word. You cannot claim to love Jesus if you do not love his words. Sadly, many Christians misdirect this love that should belong to God to the gifts of God, possessions, family, leisure, even health and life. But Jesus tells us, whoever loves his own life will lose it. The martyrs and saints of old loved not their lives unto death, and now they wear the crown of eternal life. Fear, love, and trust. Render to God your trust. This is simply another word for faith. All of your faith belongs to Christ. Many people put their trust in their good works and their holy living, but this won't save you. Science and medicine can't cure death, and the government will never succeed in creating a utopian paradise as it promises to do. No program will completely eliminate disease or end poverty. Nothing but the return of Christ and the full revelation of his kingdom can undo the destruction of sin. Nothing but his bloody sacrifice on the cross could have reconciled humanity with God. Therefore, our trust must be in Christ alone. Do not give to Caesar what belongs to God. Yes, you are a citizen of an earthly kingdom, And with your body, you must give service to earthly rulers. But this physical body will soon die and decay. And so too will the rulers and kingdoms of earth. St. Paul writes to us, your true citizenship is in heaven. And from heaven, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body 
by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Soon the day is coming when our Lord Christ will return in glory to take back all authority that he has lent to Caesar, and he himself will reign in visible power and glory for all eternity. Then we will be citizens of his kingdom only, in the new heaven which is joined to the new earth. No longer subject to the rule of sinful men or self-serving governments, we will render to God the glory due his name, while even the memory of sorrow fades away as a dream. St. John was given a glimpse of this moment. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Today, as the end of the church year looms and the season of Advent approaches, we who still must live in two kingdoms Prepare our hearts once again for the return of our Lord, crying out with all the saints in heaven and on earth, come quickly, Lord Jesus. In his name, amen.